Hello, hello. Welcome to Unlikely Outcast. I'm Nay. And I'm Ange. And we are so happy you joined us today. Um, we just wanted to take some time to introduce ourselves as individuals and um, tell you a little about our stories and how we met and ultimately about the vision um, for this podcast. So we're just going to jump right into it. Um, I'm Nay. I'm 26. Um, and I'll be 26 by the time that this actually um, launched, but I'll be turning 27 in the next month or so. Um, I am from Illinois, born and raised, never really left Illinois other than summer trips to Mississippi to visit extended family. Um, yeah, just really loved childhood growing up in Illinois, um, but just really wanted to go off on my own. So eventually I did um, after college. I am the eldest of five children. Um, I have three sisters and one brother. I was raised apart from them, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about, about a lot um, as you guys continue to get to know me and my story. Um, so I have the best of both worlds of feeling like an eldest child, but also feeling like an only child. Um, so yeah, like I wanted to share a little bit about my faith. Um, I discovered Christ in college. So I went to a PWI or a predominantly white um, institution. It was a public school and it was pretty big. Um, but my sophomore year of college, I joined a college ministry. Um, and that was my introdu introduction into Christianity. Um, from there, I really wrestled with what I was going to do with my life. I walked into college with a plan, um, as most people do, as we're, you know, pressured early on to declare a major and just have a plan for when you graduate. Um, and that was, that was definitely my experience. I always knew I wanted to be a doctor, um, which is something that Ange and I have in common, and we'll talk about that a little more um, later. But after coming to Christ and discovering my faith, um, the course to medical school changed for me significantly. The plan was to go to college, apply straight into medical school, and go from there. But as the years went by and as I just gained so many life experiences. A lot of people don't talk about how college is like, like my family members would always tease me and say, oh, you're stuck in a bubble. Like you're not, you're not a real adult because you're, you're not actually doing adult things. You're in your college bubble. Um, but I didn't, I didn't feel that way. Did you feel that way, Ange? Um, a little bit. A little bit, but I yeah. think like the off dance was like I went to school with my sister, so it was kind of like okay. a little difference. Yeah. Okay, and I and I think that experience varies depending on like how big your school is too, or That's if you. it's a commuter school or yeah. not. 
Um, and my school was not. It was not a commuter school. It was very much college town, nothing really outside of it. So in a way, I was stuck in a bubble. But every trial and tribulation felt very real. It felt very adult-like. And it annoyed me when people say, oh, millennials, like, you're wait till you're a real adult. Um, and, and that's where my faith came in. Um, because I, I truly needed peace, um, during that time as everyone else was telling me like, oh, you guys don't have real worries, um, in college. Like the only thing you have to focus on in, in, um, are exams. And that wasn't my experience. And that's not the experience of a lot of us, Mm -hmm. um, especially, if you are a person of color at a predominantly white institution, you don't have the liberty to just exist and, and be a student. Um, so we'll unpack that more later, but college was my formative years. Everyone talks about childhood being the significant point in your life, which I agree, but college um, is where I became nay. Um, the good and the bad. So every time that I tell people about who I am, I can't just skip over um, the college years. So towards the end of my college experience, again, always knew I wanted to be a doctor, but now I was in a place where I was content with not going straight into medical school. Mm -hmm. And truly, I probably wouldn't have gotten in even if I tried my junior year. Um, I was not the best student just because of life circumstances, but, um, at the time I thought that I was going about it, um, in a way that it's like, oh, I'm going to take a gap year for God. Like, that's going to make me a a better applicant. Um, if I do a little charity work before I, before I apply, um, Mm -hmm. like I went about it so arrogantly um but I ended up going to this huge conference um where it there was a booth set up trying to get college seniors um into basically a glorified internship um and it happened to be in Tennessee so as a new Christian And as someone that always wanted to be a doctor, and like I said, never really left Illinois, I said, heck, yeah, I would move to Tennessee um, for basically free and live with a host family and, um, you know, get automatic letter recommendations and all of that. Um, So I jumped on board and I packed up my stuff and I moved to Tennessee alone. Um, And that's where we move into... Angie's testimony. So who are you? Who is Angie? Yeah, Ange? Who is Ange? I was going to say, Nate, that sounds so good on paper, what you just said. <laughs> it sounds so great. Um, but we'll get into that story um, mm-hmm. a little bit later. Um, but yeah, so I'm Ange, and as Nate said, I'm from Tennessee. Um, and I think my story kind of looks a little different from Nate. Um, I am not the eldest child by any means necessary. Um, I am a little child. Um, I kind of gravitate toward people saying, yeah, you're a little child, you have middle child syndrome. And I'm like, I definitely do sometimes. And I 
I'm okay with that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but first and foremost, um, I like to say that I am a child of God. Um, just like Nate said, um, it's kind of hard at this point to separate my faith from um, from my identity. And so I am a child of God above all else. And um, so I was born here in Tennessee, um, but I have various roots in Mississippi, sort of like Nate, um, in yeah. that regards. Yeah. Um, and I would say that my uh, my upbringing uh, was like this perfect blend of city life and country life. Um, and I was specifically, I remember specifically being raised to be a good person. That's something that my grandmother and all of my aunts and uncles used to tell me all the time. Um, when I went to visit them, they would always say, be good. Um, so that's kind of one of my takeaways from my childhood. Um, I have um, <laughs> several maternal and paternal siblings, um, but I count two as my right of eyes. Um, mm -hmm. So, Nate knows about that. Um, but yeah, I had the privilege of being raised in a small little network. You know, they say that um, it takes a village to raise a child, and it truly was a village that um, helped raise me. Um, I guess I'm a little different. I was raised in a church um, as opposed to, I'm not sure, Nate, were you raised in a church or did you just get to know? No. Okay. Okay. No. Okay, so I was raised in a church, um, but I think some people think that because you're raised in a church, you're automatically a believer or you automatically um, just believe in God um, once you're born into church. But that is not the case. I believe that every person... Um, should get to know God on their own terms and actually, you know, get to know him for you um, because it's different seeing the God that other people worship versus, you know, you actually knowing that God. Um, so I became a believer in high school um, at a basketball camp. Um, oh. I was dragged along to the camp with my sister. My um, So that's just how that kind of works out. Um, and then... Um, yeah, so I, too, went to a um, PWI, um, a private um, PWI, and I went with my sister, so um, I kind of had, um, like, a system with foundation set in place, but like they said, regardless of any systems that are in place when you are surrounded by a group that um, dominates you, um, in regard to skin color or even intellect, um, it's really hard to um, adjust um, to that life. Um, so that's kind of how I um, was. But anyway, so I kind of struggled, I guess, kind of like Nay in school. Um, but I think that I struggled in all areas of my life, academically, relationally, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. Mm -hmm. um, and like they said, life plays a part in that. Um, just because, you know, we're young adults or in our 20, early 20s or, you know, 19, 20, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter if, you know, we're not quote-unquote adulting yet. But, you know, life happens and that's real things that we have to work through, um, which eventually shapes who we are. Like Nay said, it shapes who she is, how she views herself as Nay. Um, and I'll say that they the same thing for me. Um, and 
I would say, like May, um, I grew up knowing that I went to be a doctor, um, but that, I think the route changed for me, um, and somewhere on my college undergrad journey, um, probably because someone said to me, oh, you won't make it with this GPA, or um, there weren't individuals who thought me or someone else who looked at me who didn't have the grades that people believe that you need to get into med school automatically. Um, mm -hmm. They weren't willing to, to help me or even guide me in a sense, okay, this is her dream. Maybe let's work with her to see, you know, if in fact um, this is the route that she wants to go or we can reroute her in a different direction. And, you know, the end goal is still the end goal. Um, everybody's right. journey, everybody's journey looks different, you know. Um, both of us, we wanted to go right out of college, but that's not the case. Um, mm -hmm. It's not the case, it's, and it's not the case for, for many people. Um, and like me, I decided to look for um, gap year um, kind of things to do um, in the meantime, in between applying to med school, and I stumbled across um, the same internship um, where you glorify God um, through learning how to practice medicine, um, a, basically a pre-med um, internship with the emphasis of God and Christian values um, here yeah. in Tennessee. So um, that's where we met, and mm -hmm. um, that's just kind of, that's the beginning. This, that is the beginning of this relationship that we have. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, we we have time to talk about it. So let's go back a little bit and unpack some things. Yeah, you we we like mentioned a lot of similar things that yeah. I probably didn't even know. Um, Me neither. Same, same, same. Yeah. So let's unpack that. First of all, we both went to a predominantly white institution. Yes. Um, and if you're not viewing the video version of the podcast um and and I both identify as black American women mm -hmm. <laughs> um so if that's something you didn't know now you do um and we went to predominantly white institutions hers was private as she said and mine was public um and we both went into college wanting to be a physician um where I don't have the stats pulled up but I'm, I'm sure everyone listening could imagine um there aren't many people that look like us um in the field um and I don't think that's a coincidence I don't think that that's something that just happens but um, we still chose to pursue that path. And right. something that you touched on was, first of all, in childhood, realizing that it takes a village. Um, but as you grow older, you kind of put to the test of wh what that means as an individual person moving away from your family. Um, and in your case, you had your sister, but still... Um, you were leaving majority of your family behind. So what did it look like for you to find your village in college or find your support system or did you at all? Um, 
quick stats. I looked it up. And um, according to uaumed.org, um, there are 13% black people in America. So U.S. population is 13% and only 4% um, are black doctors. So wow. that's crazy. Um, yeah, I'm through with this. Yeah, <laughs> we, have to, we have to do this. Okay, already. Okay, but anyways. Um, it was hard. I think that my sister, you know, she could only support me as she, um, as so far as she could. Um, she was a she played basketball, so she t technically wasn't really there. Um, right. So she came in with the community. Right. She came in with the. <laughs> we're gonna use that word quote loosely, quote unquote, quote unquote community. Um, so that's another story for her to tell one day. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she actually came in with a supposed community, um, and I had to create mine from scratch. Um, there wasn't a lot of individuals who um, looked like me who were in any of my science classes. Um, anyone, there are only two, well, three um, Black individuals who graduated from my major. Um, there are only about 10 people. This, the class size is like eight to 10. So imagine you only being the black individual in the class and everybody else is, is white or um, other race. Um, mm -hmm. And that, I mean, that, that to me, it was scary because you have to, your entire race is put on your shoulders. Um, mm. And crazy as it seems, it's true. Um, so anything that someone might say that could be considered, um, prejudiced or biased or racist or anything, they would look at you and it's kind of like, well, am I the spokesperson for my entire race? Like mm -hmm. I would just sit there and be like, oh my gosh, no, they did. They did not just say that. And then it's like, what am I supposed to say, God? What am I supposed to say? So I would just sit there and be like... Lord, help it, Jesus, help it, Jesus. Um, but <laughs> it took a while, Nay. Like, literally, um, I don't think that I found a community until my senior year. Um, mm -hmm. And freshman, sophomore, junior year, I struggled. There were, you know, BSU, Black Student Union on campus. Um, there was... Um, a, I think it was a black women kind of organization kind of thing. Um, but I didn't attend any of those meetings. Um, I'm an introvert. So being alone when my sister wasn't there, I was like, well, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving my room. If she ain't here, I ain't going either. You know, it was that, it was kind of bad. And I was just like, I don't know what to mm -hmm. do. You know, I think that Maybe somebody could have reached out to me, but how can they reach out? First of all, funny story, true story. We only had one phone. Oh? Yes. So you shared with your sister? We, yes. We shared a cell phone. Like okay. that. Yes. Now, y'all, we, we stated our age already. We're, yes, we're I'm older than you by was, year, though. Yeah, yeah, so I'm, I'm just 27. 27. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not so, talking about like back in the 80s. Or no, it's not, <laughs> not at all. And I mean, we were fine with it because we didn't have cellular devices, you know, throughout high school or anything because we had each other. 
And right. because we were, had each other in college, we only had, you know, one phone until we were juniors. Um, so I, nobody could really reach out. Like it was, it was a whole thing. Like it's a whole weird scenario, but um, I think I could have did a better job maybe at seeking out groups or seeking out people who or communities where I would feel, you know, safe. Um, mm -hmm. But then again, I don't know. I feel like that could, those individuals were different. I'm not going to say that they were bad, but they didn't, their beliefs didn't align with mine. So mm -hmm. it was kind of like, I'm the only girl here. I'm not about to go to no parties. I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, so I would rather just sit by myself and be in my room um, this entire time. I did, you know, go to a church um, there, you know, every other Sunday, this nice lady, she would come by and get me and my sister or just get me um, with my mm -hmm. sister, you know, we're on trips. Um, and I think that's basically the only community I had. I had some cousins who lived in the area um, who would try to reach out and, you know, like we needed something dire. Like if we needed to go to the hospital with like the doctor, they were, they were there, you know, but other mm -hmm. than that, it was just, it was just me and God, man. It was me yeah. and God for a minute there, but then it was like, I'm gonna be by myself. And then I was yeah. like, nah, I gotta, God gotta, God had to just yeah. get me. So it was like a long minute. It was, it was a long minute. It was a long minute. I mean, Nanae, like it was, I was a whole struggle bus. Freshman year, I was okay. Cause it's like, we're acclimating ourselves to college life. All right, maybe this is how it's supposed to be. Sophomore year, I was like, nah, this ain't how life's supposed to be. You know, I didn't seen the movies of college life. This ain't it. And then I was like, I mean, things happened in my actual life um, that affected my emotions and my spirituality. And I was just like, God, I don't know, like why? And at that point I was just like, I right, I'm. Just, it's just me. It's just Ange. It ain't God and Ange. It's just Ange. That right. was two years. That was sophomore and junior year. Like, mm. without God. Right? Me and God are like this. Ugh. Now we're like, we're like, right. they're like this part. Well, he's still here. But in my mind, I'm like, we're, we're so right. far apart. He's just standing behind me like, Ange, get it. Come on. I'm right here. Come back. It's okay. You can ask me questions. Like, you don't have to be mad at me, you know. Yeah. Just, I'm right here. So, that all happened. And senior year, I was like, yeah, I can't do this without, without God. Mm -hmm. So Wow. To answer your question, I was just a struggle bus. <laughs> I was just a struggle bus. Mm -hmm. But what You're, about you? You were not a struggle bus. You let's, let's pause right there. <laughs> you will not take on that identity. Hey, period. You hey. were in survival. Mode. I was. I was like I legit. Many of us are survival mode. And you don't know it until you're ten years out. In hindsight, like, yeah. wait a minute. Yeah, I can breathe now. I wasn't breathing back then. I Man. wasn't. You know. Come on, like. Come don't, on. don't take on that label. Come you on. are not a struggle bus. Um, yeah. I, I, I relate. I relate. I came into college, um, and it's crazy because my high school, 
first of all, I went to an all black high school. So we're we're highlighting race here because we can't just not exactly we can't. But um, my high school wasn't all black. It was very diverse. Okay. It was okay. Very diverse. <laughs> okay, so that that makes sense. So I'm I'm coming from an all black community basically. So this this public college is my first introduction to white people in general. Culture shock. Um, culture shock, but. Really, because as a kid, I never really I was labeled as the Oreo black girl. So we can unpack that later. In other <laughs> that's, a whole nother thing. that's a whole nother topic. Um, so I at home um, until it was crunch time, you know, um, somebody said, I don't even know who it was, um, but you really don't know you're black until somebody tells you. And that that hit me. Oh man. <laughs> I was like you don't navigate life, especially as a child, you don't knowing that you're black until someone tells you. And usually the person telling you is weaponizing <laughs> your blackness. Um they're not embracing it. And that was my experience in college. Um I came into college with a roommate who went to my high school. Um, and she was literally the only other black girl in my entire high school that got into this university. Um, so we were like, okay, cool. We weren't really besties in high school, but that was good to me because I heard like horror stories of people like dorming with their best friends and no mm -hmm. longer being friends. Um, so I was like, this is perfect. Like, she's cool. I like her, but we're not super close. Um, so we said, let's do it. So we were roommates freshman year. I came into college with a job. I was working in the dining hall. I remember I moved in one day and the next day I started working. Um, and I was pushing like 40 hours a week, which is a lot hours? for 18 year old. That's a lot. Man, it, it was a lot. Um, oh, and at this goodness. time, like classes didn't even start yet. Um, so I like dove into um multitasking so while my roommate were, was going to all of these freshman welcome parties and going to frat parties and stuff i was working um so forming friendships was not on my radar at all i was like okay i got old girl we knew each other from high school that's all i need right now i need to focus on paying my way through um, college and a lot of people don't talk about that like a lot of people don't talk about labor and in, in college um, not just intellectual labor but physical emotional yeah. spiritual labor um, that you have to go through and for me physical labor it was day one so it got to a point still freshman year but maybe halfway through and I'm like um, I'm trying hard not to say her name, um, but I, I turned to my roommate and I'm like, I want friends. Like, can I hang out with you and your friends? And of course she was like, sure, absolutely. So I started to do everything with them. And this was like, for freshman year college, we had like 13 girls in our dorm that we did everything with. And it was amazing. It was literally like That's our nice. whole side of the dorm 
Um, we ate together. We went to parties together. It was a true, like, first time I've ever bonded with so many people so instantly. Yeah. Um, I only laughed because I thought about my roommates, and I was like, they probably were doing everything with each other, and then there was me and my sister. So, uh, <laughs> aside from that, I'm glad that you had this experience. Okay, continue. Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't like, I didn't choose them. I was yeah. the tag along. Um, and towards the end of freshman year, you felt that. You felt mm-hmm. who was genuine friends and who was just, you know, along for the ride. Um, freshman year roommate, she ended up, her testimony is, she, I'm going to have to find that girl and invite her to the podcast. Um, but she basically, like, dropped out and became an artist in, like, Montana. Like, it was, it was, I, she was the coolest person I ever knew at the okay. time. I was like, she is such a free spirit. I love this girl. Um, but she loved me. Um, and she left me with her friends. So now I'm interacting with the friends like, hey, oh, girl is gone, but I'm still here. Like, can we still get dinner? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and we did. We did. They were, I would looking back freshman year I would think that they were real friends um and then yeah we we got to sophomore year whole group split up there were probably out of like the 13 girls there were probably like three or four of us that still like talked sophomore year and it was fine like there wasn't there wasn't any drama or anything we just the next year we chose not to live in that dorm anymore so we had to be intentional about the friendship and we didn't. Um, but through that, that group of 13 girls, um, I met my best friend, Alex. Um, and I'll say her name because she'll probably be featured on the podcast at some point. Um, and we, we bonded. Um, we didn't just bond because we were, first of all, with my roommate gone, we were the only two black girls left in the, in the friend group. Um, but we also bonded because we were both pre-health. So Alex is a a travel nurse, um, right now. Um, but that's, that's the first time as an adult, I formed a friendship that I saw lasting a a lifetime. Um, and we didn't like, she's going to listen to this, but I don't think we initially clicked. Like (laughs) she's, she's so different from me. But it worked so beautifully. Um, And we needed each other. We truly needed each other. So when we talk about it takes a village um, or it takes a community to not only raise a child, but to survive. Um, If that village is one other person, that's good enough. I'm sure we would have liked to have this huge group. Sure, we would have liked, like, I personally wanted to join um, a black sorority so bad. Um, my biggest role model, my aunt, she was an AKA and that was my goal. I was like, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to be an AKA. Was not an option at my PWI. It was an option, <laughs> but it was a like low key option. Like it was like, for some reason, all the black fraternities and sororities were suspended, but my school was a huge party school. We had like every single frat and sorority that existed in the 
pan-Hellenic um, organization. Oh, that's great. Um, that's good. Like every, we had, we had the classic like TV frat sorority row, like a whole okay. street of mansions. <laughs> like, um, so of course coming in, every girl wants to rush. Oh um, yeah. Every single girl wants to rush. Every guy wants to, you know, <laughs> rush. Yeah. But for girls that look like me or don't even look like me, I mean, girls that aren't the standard um, yeah. for those organizations, mm -hmm. it was something, it was a dream. It was something that you don't even waste your time and money into doing. Um so for me, I struggled with that. And I, I ended up, later on, I ended up joining one of those. Um, and then I dropped, but that's a whole other story. But back to the point of things, I wanted to be a part of a Black sorority. And that opp opportunity didn't present itself. Um, girls still did it. Like, I would see my classmates that would join um, a Black sorority. And I'm like, how... How did that happen? Like they're Wait. they're not recruiting, they're not advertising, you know, like and I understand that the you know divine nine, like rushing a panhellenic sorority looks a lot different um than than rushing yeah, you know, divine nine and everything. Yeah. Um so I understood that it was like secretive, but in order to be invited to black functions. You have to know another black person. And that's where I struggled. And that's where my best friend Alex struggled. <laughs> so that's a whole nother conversation. That's um, crazy. But it was it felt like a missed opportunity. Um, and it's something that I craved. So long story short, I did believe that I found my community freshman year. But it kept changing every year. The one constant mm -hmm. was Alex. Um, and Alex and I eventually moved into like a Christian sorority house towards the last couple of years of our time. Um, and that was a great experience that I'll probably talk about later. Um, but yeah, even with that being said, even if I can reflect back and say, hey, I did have a community all four or five years. I still felt very alone. Yeah. Like, college was probably the loneliest time of my life, other than now. <laughs> but college college was so lonely to me, especially in a place that, you know, you're just surrounded by friend groups. Um, with all that being said, we want to use this podcast as a community um, for those who identify as an outcast, and we'll we'll talk about the meaning of our our podcast name. We'll unpack that with Ange a little later, um, but we we want this to be a community, a digital community, um, where we can just walk alongside each other. Yep. Yeah, I said a lot there. <laughs> Ange, do you have anything no, else to add? No, <laughs> good. No, that's beautiful. First of all, kudos on you for finding a Christian sorority to um, link up with because didn't know those yeah. existed. Um, it literally just existed at my, my uh, Okay. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, I've never heard of that. Not even yeah. in the movies. Okay, <laughs> so kudos to you for finding that. Um, mm -hmm. 
But yeah, um, I would say we're not alone. <laughs> we're not alone, especially you. You have a dog. Um, you yeah, have honeydew. I'll, I'll, yeah, I will introduce y'all to honeydew. I'm another. Oh, honeydew. She's sleeping right now. We we need our space. Um, Those boundaries have been set. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're 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 not alone. Um, and that um, to anyone, to anyone who's watching or who um will listen um and you feel like you're alone or you feel like you are a lost individual um we're, we've all been lost right um mm -hmm. and <laughs> sometimes that going on that journey is beneficial um i truly believe that sometimes we we go on these journeys for a reason and it's to make us stronger um and to make us you know better carriers of the gifts that we have to benefit someone else right um mm -hmm. to make someone else's purpose come true by watching us or listening to us um mm -hmm. and that's you know why we're here on this earth to um help someone else when hopefully we can help you guys or whoever is listening you know through our stories through our testimonies um that you find some solace in our our stories that um, you find something if it's if it's a word if it's a laugh um whatever it is to help you along your walk um in this life um yeah and quick mm -hmm. caveat if we talk about jesus don't come for us because don't this is our us. identity um we're not trying to put that on you um that's just mm -hmm. how um our journeys have unfolded um because we know that our identity is in christ and without him we wouldn't have not survived um our a <laughs> our lives and then specifically yeah. our time in undergrad um or in grad school because we both had journeys where we went through walked through um, grad school so without him without jesus um we know that we would have not made it at all. Um, and mm -hmm. it is from him our strength is, you know. So we know that even if you're not a believer, that um, if you have walked in some type of similar fashion that we have, you know, you're not alone. So don't um, cast yourself as an outcast or um, someone who's lost. Just know that you're known because obviously there's more than just you who are walking through these waters or walking through these unknown territories. You know, we've done it too. So just don't count yourself as a lost person or alone. Yeah. Amen. That was well said. Yeah. Like Ange said, we're not marketing or advertising this as a Christian podcast. Um, it, it just happens that the experiences we've had and, our, our identities um that's something that we're not gonna we can't hide yeah. even if we wanted to we can't so we could not hide our faith so true. um but yeah that is we're not um marketing this as a a christian podcast but just one that we just want you guys to walk alongside us as we go on a healing journey um and unpack things and celebrate things um yeah, so fast forwarding to post-college. Oh, yeah. For me, I was like, it was like the summer that I graduated that I moved to Tennessee and started this internship. Was that for you or did you have a gap year before the internship? Um, I graduated in 18. Did you graduate in 18? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause I came here, 
I, I stayed a whole not, y'all I'm a fifth year grad I'm not I used to be in, embarrassed but I stayed in undergrad an extra year um but yeah so, so technically 19... my first graduation it was 2018 okay there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that um mm-hmm. um okay so yeah so I count the year that you graduate 18 okay so 18 19 yeah 18 19 I wasn't really doing nothing I thought I was studying for the MCAT but you know how that goes um Mm -hmm. and then I started volunteering and then the next year 19 yeah your year was 1920 2021 I was a substitute teacher and then I became the intern and then okay yeah okay so um just to summarize that (laughs) and i graduated college i'm using air quotes for the people that's not watching the video um graduated college in 2018 i stayed just for funsies another year in undergrad i should have done that (laughs) i should have done that just for funsies um and then in 2019, I moved to Tennessee for the internship. So I had a whole year of the internship before I met Ange in 2020, then, yeah. um, where she started the internship. Okay. So at the time, was I, was I like the lead? Mm-hmm. Your My year? year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I was leading the interns during the year that Anch came on and it was meant to be part-time because at this time I was entering grad school as well um but yeah so that's how we met I don't know if we mentioned that this internship was in a clinic um so it was was a medical related internship Mm -hmm. um did we want to share some key things we learned during that time so Altogether, both of us, which is not how the internship was designed, both of us did it for two years. Yes. Um, yeah, it was only meant to be a one-year program that yeah. you would do as you were transitioning to med school, nursing, PA. Um, but yeah, Angie and I, we we decided to bless the program. Yes, wasn't it? <laughs> Our presence. Yes, the <laughs> Lord. Presence. Yeah. <laughs> as leaders. As, as leaders. yeah, so as leaders. Working yeah, those gifts. And yeah. stepped up and, and was the leader when I left. So yeah, yeah we both had that experience too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any any key things you learned from that internship? Um or just that time. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't even have to be related to I would say internship. that um I went into the internship um, with expectations and that's how I am. My personality is, um, I generally have generalized false expectations in my head of what other people expect Mm -hmm. of me, but not just other people, but myself. Um, I think that's, I'm a recovering introvert you see. Um, (laughs) But anyways, um, so I learned um, to um, 
to throw in my expectations really in a lot of areas of my life. Um, not just that one specific area of, you know, the internship. Um, I also learned that just because people say they're Christian, don't mean they're Christian. Um, just because that's a whole nother topic for another day. Um, just because, um, clinics, um, say that they are practicing in the name of Jesus doesn't mean that they are equitably practicing in the name of Jesus, um, to all patients and of all kinds and all religions. Um, I learned, um, a lot about um, the economic value of um, healthcare, um, mm-hmm. especially in um, Black and Brown communities, who are largely mm-hmm. affected, you know, a lot um, because of this healthcare system that we have in the states. Um, that's another topic for another day. Um, mm-hmm. I I am also surprised, you know, every day when topics about health arise in my family, um, I'm often surprised about myself, how much I know or how much I remember um, based off of different cases that I saw working in the clinic or what, whatever it may mm-hmm. be. Um, that knowledge is ingrained <laughs> in my brain. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very surprised. Um, a, that means that obviously I was listening very well. <laughs> but also mm-hmm. um, there were certain individuals who um, taught well. Um, it doesn't matter if their character didn't align with um, my perception of them um, mm-hmm. or their outside character didn't. Um, but... Um, their knowledge mm-hmm. about medicine um, was was very well um, or good enough um, for the time that I was there. I also learned yeah. that I can be a good leader um, or, yeah. and also the type of leader that I am and what leadership I think means to me, but also mm-hmm. um, how to navigate um, and communicate effectively with a group of individuals who are under you. Um, and not to do it just because you have some seemingly power that, you know, people have because they are, are, are in a leadership role, but not mm-hmm. that because I believe that when you are in a position or in a place of um, leadership um, or hierarchy um, that you're supposed to lead with integrity and humility and sometimes that's not the case and and what I saw <laughs> um at my time there at the in, during the internship um I think that I'm glad that my family um that village that we talk about that community that instilled in me a foundation um early on um helped me I think me relying on what I was taught as a child or even just talking to my grandmother or my mom or my sisters about that leadership role um, helped me to endure um, and helped me to communicate effectively because I'm one of those people who will tell you bluntly what I believe and will not back down. Um, And I had to learn to do it um, in a nice voice, to say things nicely, to say things um, without... (laughs) 
getting uh, frustrated and getting upset without making my point. Um, mm -hmm. Because it comes a time where you have to actually listen and then respond and say it gracefully. Um, and so I think I learned that during my time there. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much for sharing your experience with the internship. Um, because again, we, we had a year together, yeah, um, walking alongside each other in the internship, but we also had a year apart, um, doing the internship. And I echo everything, um, that you learned. Um, for me, it was the first time. First of all, let, let's let's go back to those barriers. That's this is something that's gonna <laughs> is gonna like keep reoccurring throughout our podcast, especially as we talk about like our career trajectories. This was the first time I ever had an opportunity to shadow a physician. Actually, um, yeah, I think I shadowed mm -hmm. I shadowed someone um, after I graduated um, college, and it was a neurologist. Um, mm -hmm. And then after that, I didn't really do anything because um, I was kind of, I call it, yes. maybe stuck. But anyways, yeah, right. until that internship, I didn't really actually, you know. Yeah. Shout out um, so, so while it did, you know, check a box as you're preparing for medical school, it yeah. also like sat in that, wait a minute. If that is something that's expected as you're applying to medical school, why is that? so hard like why is this my first opportunity barriers man <laughs> barriers um so for me i was just amazed by the medical side of things like um the the physicians that i was paired with <laughs> just kiss snap to um, them yes snap to yes. them snaps Snaps for yeah. them. Snaps to them. We yes. shit you out. Yes. We would shout you out, but we ain't saying no names. Yeah, we're not. We're not gonna say their names. Just no special place in my prayers um, yeah. for both of them, um, because I don't understand. I don't think they know how much they blessed uh, me just by allowing me to walk alongside them. Yeah. Um, it was the first time that I was exposed to medicine. Also, the first time that I saw what it looks like for a physician to be a neighbor. Simply put, yeah, we talk about it takes a village to raise a child. This was the first time I saw what it meant for your doctor to be a part of your village and for you to have a personal relationship with a doctor and not just be a number on a chart. Yeah. Both of my physicians that I scribed for um, literally loved their patients as brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and, and our internship, as Ange said, it was unique because um, it did have a religious affiliation. So the doctors that we worked with um, were allowed to pray with their, their patients. And that just brings a whole nother level of intimacy um, to the visits that I was not used to. But they showed me that I could not go into the medical field um, 
too quickly. Like I, I needed to do some deconstruction. Um, and that led me to grad school. That led me to a degree in medical anthropology because I can't just say, hey, I want to serve people that look like me in underprivileged neighborhoods. I, I need to unlearn things that I learned in college, that I yeah. learned in childhood, you know, just harmful things even about myself. Yeah. Before I take on the responsibility of walking along somebody in their healing journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to learn that it's a process of walking alongside someone, not taking the reins. Um, because, you know, we, we hear about doctors that have God complexes or, you know, um, just power hungry and they go into the field, you know, thinking that life and death is in their hands um to an extent um like i wouldn't you know take that responsibility responsibility lightly but i don't want that to be my purpose Mm. i don't i don't want to come in and and save someone um i just i want to be a neighbor a sister that took the extra time the extra years to go to medical school to share knowledge that you don't have access to about your body, about your health, um, and just nurture that together. But in order to do that, I, I needed to do some deconstruction. So that led me to grad school. And if I didn't do that internship, I probably would not have gone to grad school. And I probably would not be a good physician um, in the future if I did not do that internship. So it was it was definitely a blessing in my life. And I and I add on to what Ange said about, you know, the leadership aspect of knowing um, that in order to be a leader, you first have to be a follower. You first have to know um, who people are as individuals before you, you know, step in and try to lead them down a path. Um, so, yeah, that that time was great. And, you know, of course, we're all human. And while, you know, the the organizations we work for, they they fail short, just like any other thing on Earth. Um, yeah. But I I definitely walked away feeling like, OK, yeah, it's I need to step up and become a physician. Um and, and this is the way that I need to do it. So definitely a blessing. And we're still working towards it. We're still going to apply to medical school at some point. And I'm sure you'll hear more about that in later episodes. Um, but yeah, so that brings us to the end of the podcast. Um, but we, we wanted to share our vision um, for the podcast. Um so if we if we have to pick a verse that embodies what we're trying to do here with this virtual community, I think that Micah 6.8 embodies it. Um, and it just says, and I'm reading from the ESV version of the Bible, but it says, he has told you, oh man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? 
So if you're connecting with us on Instagram, you'll probably see on our cover art, um, it says, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. Um, And that's something that Ange and I are going to be intentional about as we record these episodes. Um, Did you, you kind of touched on it, Ange, but did you want to talk a little bit more of why we named the podcast Unlikely Outcasts? Sure. Hopefully this won't take that long, but I tend to ramble. Yeah. But anyways, um, <laughs> all right. So I, wait, what was yours originally? So um, I was going to do a podcast. It's crazy. We'll share another time how we decided to, to come together for this, but I was going to have an individual podcast named Nay's Outcast Diary. Yes. Um, Because I was just in a time where I was like, I'm an outcast. Like, I'm talking about taboo things that nobody else wants to talk about. Um, So I I told Ange that when when we thought about um, collaborating. Yeah. And so what I did, um, I just took her that name that she gave me and I just started writing down names. Honestly, I was like, okay, does this sound good? Does this sound good? Does this sound good? Does this sound good? And unlikely outcast um, cast popped up, and um, that's one of the ones that made was like definitely yeah okay cool that sounds mm-hmm. just that sounds like us, um, and so um, here's some little history I guess background. So if you look at the definition for unlikely, it means not likely to be done, happen, or to be true. And then outcast, definition for outcast is one who has been rejected by our society or social group. And I think the title is kind of like a play on words, if you will. Um, You know, oftentimes we hear about outcasts or like people who are in the minority or the weirdo or the corny individual or, you know, the lost person or she's just lost or they're just an outcast or or whatever. Um, it's these terms that people have been using in society for for many years um, to judge individuals who do not fit the mold um, of the norm, right? Um, and what I've come to find is that these individuals who we don't love love to like um, because they have a different mindset than um, we do, or who are set apart, or who are called out, right? Um, they are often better for society than, you know, the norm, the people who are considered in the norm or considered in the majority. Um, Mm -hmm. And we're often overlooked, right? Um, And it's because we don't live up to the status quo um, of of society. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about the name and I was like, I don't like the name Outcast. No one should, right? Um, if you've ever been called one or you think of yourself as one. And I was like, man, we should be glad that we're outcasts, right? It means that we're set apart. It means that we've been called to something greater, to something better. Um, and it also means that we don't see the world through the same eyes and see same vantage point as everyone else. We think differently. Um, we see everything through a bigger lens. Um, and sometimes we need that. We need that um, in this world that um, seemingly doesn't have enough justice, doesn't have enough mercy, doesn't um, doesn't even have people who are 
you know, have a standard of humility that we know that our God wants us to walk with, right? And so the, the words in, in the Bible, so in the word of God, um, it says that um, the son of man, who is Jesus, came to seek and save the lost. In fact, he leaves the 99 just to find the one. Um, there is no exception for his grace or his mercy because through Jesus, um, God redeems us. Um, so we're no longer that person who's been lost. We're no longer that person who's been outcasted. We're no longer the corny, the weirdo. Whatever um, phrases that you use um, that you know have similarities to the definition, um, and then there's this churchy saying that says, you don't look like what you've been through. And so the unlikely part is we don't look like what we've been through. We don't look like an outcast. We don't look like a weirdo. We don't look like a corny person. We don't look like these people that we've been called to be because that's no longer our identity. Um, mm. So, you know, maybe we previously have, you know, been identified as an outcast or you know maybe the people who are listening they continue to think of themselves as one um but you don't have to look like it you don't have to moan yeah. you don't have to groan you don't have to blame others because they called you an outcast because you know who you are you have embraced a posture that no longer mm -hmm. is defined by that word um and so this podcast we are letting our posture reveal um, and doing justly, like Nay said, loving mercy and walking humbly because with God, we will defend our way of life and hopefully inspire others like yourselves. And so if you've been set apart through your gifts or your experiences in life, come alongside us as we embark on this journey, as we set out to heal and prosper throughout this podcast. Hmm. I love that. Oh. Thank you so much, Ange. I'm no so problem. excited for this. I I'm know. So excited. So excited. Um, yeah, we're so happy to be here. Even if one person is listening, yeah, this this has been healing for me. Um, yes. even if it's just you and I having a conversation and no one listens. For um, sure. something we want to conclude our episodes with. Um. We may end up changing the name, but for now, we're calling it Soft Life Spotlight. Um, so right now, it's trendy for people to be embracing soft living, and, and we're here for it. Um, as we, we talked about, like, survival mode is no longer a thing. Like, we want to live soft lives. So every episode, we want to put a spotlight on something that we're doing to embrace soft living um, and to break generational habits. Um, so for me, this week, my soft life spotlight um, is on setting boundaries with not only people, but um, animals. <laughs> <laughs> Um, as Ange mentioned in the beginning of this episode, I have a puppy. Um, her name is Honeydew. She's a 10-week-old golden doodle. And she's a baby. So, you know, we're, we're enjoying the cuddly, you know, clingy-ness of a, of a new puppy. 
but we're also establishing boundaries with with this puppy because I've been a caregiver my whole life um and you know she's a dog she doesn't know what boundaries are yet um but for myself as someone that embodies helping other people I needed to form structure with my new fur baby that you know mama's here mama's here to love and care for you and protect you but mama also needs her alone time yeah um so she's in the living room living her best life right now she may (laughs) cry a little bit but this is a big deal for me um because I seriously thought I was just gonna burn out just from caring for a puppy so that's how I'm embracing soft life this week I'm establishing boundaries with my puppy (laughs) for sure for sure for sure um so my soft life spotlight um is kind of um two things so one um my family (laughs) have embarked on this journey of um learning more about the spiritual aspects of God um, that's a whole nother thing that I think a lot of people, um, but also Christians don't know or understand. I've yet to fully understand it, but, you know, the Bible says that we fight not against flesh and blood, but against, um, powers of wickedness, you know, spirits, that's, that's the spirit world, right? That's the spirit world. Um, and um, so that's one thing, um, which is a little scary, um, mm-hmm. especially if you um, grew up um, with dreams and uh, dreams and things as a child, and now you're kind of understanding like why they occurred, or you know, all these different. <laughs> it's a whole nother language. Um, yeah, but that's one of the things. Um, and then I guess another is, um, pursuit of something, pursuing things that make me, that bring joy in my life. Um, even if it's the smallest mundane things like doing this, um, podcast or going to a restaurant that has plant-based food, um, or even at my work now, um, spending extra hours over time to learn something. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm really um, trying to walk in that um, of, of, you know, trying to find joy in in things. Um, So yeah, that, that's my little soft light spotlight. Awesome, awesome. Well, guys, that's the end of this week's episode. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. If you want to keep up with us and find out when we're posting next and what we're going to talk about, feel free to follow us on Instagram at unlikelyoutcast with an S. um, And we'll make sure we post things there. But for now, we're wishing you guys peace and we'll talk to you next time. All right, see you guys. Bye.